I'm teaching on foundations. Um, it says, nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord will stand. And what's a foundation? Your feet are on a foundation. The building that you're, you're in is solid. And I know that because it withstood a flood that was a, called the Great Flood of 93. In this building, there was over 10 feet of water uh, just completely just inundated the building. But we've learned that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. Uh, when, at 10 years old, when my mother tried to take her own life, I was the first to find her, and it was like goodbye to my childhood. A part of what precipitated me coming to God in the next years uh, but God saved her. She ended up becoming a Christian. I visited her in mental hospitals for half a year. Uh, it, it's why I have delayed uh, adolescence, and my wife has to deal with this, what she got out of that, you know. It is what it is, you know. But nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. And in fact, I was crying out in my emptiness in the winter of 72 and said, God, if you're real, show me. And um, I needed something of substance. I needed something real. I needed something authentic. The Beatles were veering from their Catholicism. George Harrison was going to Hinduism. The Moody Blues said, we want to bring Eastern thought to the Western uh, culture. And so the world was being inundated with these kinds of things. And uh, I saw cults, you know. I saw cults that had sort of aspects of Jesus in it and uh, you know, I didn't want to be part of a cult. I didn't want to go into something that was just religious formalism. And um, what God did was answer my prayer. I said, God, if you're real, show me. And he sent two wide awake, authentic, approachable, accessible, genuine, uh, compassionate, authentic people. A guy who picked me up and gave me a ride while I was hitchhiking from my restaurant job, who drove 10 miles out of his way, and courageously told me about Jesus, and a girl named Jill Cosby who came to my house and invited me to church, and the little cluster of people uh, that were, were assigned by a guy named Ralph Wilkerson from Melody Land in uh, Anaheim, and they had a little church in Upland, California, and for four weeks I went and I attended. I was cross-armed. I was intrigued. I thought these people are either mighty right or mighty wrong. You know, the, the, there's no gray area here. And I was, I was, I was facing uh, uh, just a, a, a wide-awake, genuine group of believers, and uh, it was compelling. But for four weeks, you know, I went for four weeks and made a decision. At the end of the four weeks, I considered Jesus for myself. And in November of 1972, as a young teenager... I raised my hand and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and he changed me and he's been working on me ever since and I've been a piece of work and uh, he's been, aren't you glad God's been patient toward you? Quit looking at me with that tone of voice. Come on, you know that we're all a piece of work. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're a, you're a work of art. <laughs> See, that's better than a piece of work. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has gathered his disciples and in verse 13, he's up at Caesarea Philippi, and he, he's asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, I heard when I visited there that there was a pantheistic outlook in this region, and there was this philosophical diversity and pluralism. And um, 
people had all kinds of opinions. You know, the Roman Empire was imposing on Palestine, so they were bringing their idolatry. And there was a lot of uh, just different divergent opinion. The Jewish mindset is there's only one God. It's exclusivist. And Jesus comes in on the scene, and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, the different ones raised their voice and said, uh, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So he listened for a while. He said, but who do you say that I am? And uh, Simon Peter spoke up. Don't you love Simon Peter? He said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking toward. You're the one Isaiah said, unto us a child will be born. Unto us a son will be given. You're the one whose name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I, I, I'm telling you, you're the one that is the embodiment of that promise and the prophetic fulfillment of that promise. You're the one we've been looking for. The Son of the Living God. Jesus said, bingo, bullseye, jackpot, way to go. Simon Peter, who was from the show me state, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, blessed, fortunate, and to be envied are you. Blessed are your eyes, for you see, you got it. There's a blessing on you, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This isn't emanating out of human philosophy. This isn't just strictly opinion. You got something from heaven. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Look at this. But my Father who is in heaven. See, when I was lost and I said, God, if you're real, show me. He is real and he showed me. And I wanted it to be like so many of my, my sci-fi movies where he walks through the wall, you know, with his robe. And, his, and he says, Jeff, it's me. Be not afraid. You know, I, was, I, I had one eye open. I'm not kidding. I was like, because that's how carnal I was. That's how, that's how uh, naturally oriented I was. That's how I wanted it to be so tangible and so, you know. Um, but it was tangible. Jesus showed up in work clothes. And a Vietnam vet gave me a ride in a 62 uh, Chevy Impala 10 miles out of his way at 1 o'clock in the morning in November on a cold night and dropped me off at the top of my street. And when he said, you want to talk some more? I said, no. He said, okay. And didn't cram it down my throat. Had enough confidence in the message had enough confidence in how Jesus had changed his life that he knew that that seed was going to go in and God was going to do the work. And we're going to talk about that in a minute out of 1 Corinthians. But I want to talk, give you a foundational bottom line because this is what Jesus said. Blessed are you, Simon Marjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I say you are a product of revelation just being here. You're the answer to your grandma's prayer. You're the answer... Uh, to someone, a drive-by prayer. I mean, I've had people I've prayed for and, uh, you know, that on assignment, and just you end up getting result after result. God answers prayer. Listen to this. I also say to you, verse 18, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, a lot of people, they, some group says, well, it, this is Peter, and the church is built on Peter. No, these are two different words, Peter and rock. It's really, the, Peter, you got a revelation from God. 
So a correct interpretation upon this blessing of God the Father revealing this to you from heaven, I'm going to build my church on the rock of revelation. This is the foundation. But you're Peter, and I've got good things I'm going to do through you. Peter, this is elegant. It's like Mary, blessed among women. Elegant. It just shows God using people. God using people, and he's still looking for people that will yield to him and be so rooted on the word and so in love with him and available to him that their prayers matter, their words matter, their lifespan matters. And this is what God's called us to do. He says, um, I will build my church upon this rock. I will build my church, very foundational, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Hallelujah. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. There's power in that. There's power in the name of Jesus. I go to a church where the worship leader and her family suffered and fought through COVID. And, she, and then the flu. And she said, I had to make sure I said the name of Jesus more than COVID. I had to say Jesus Christ more than COVID. Right? I love that. It's like, I, didn't even ever, I never thought of that. It's right. And, and I just want to say to you, we're, we have a firm foundation while the winds of change are blowing and while seasons. I, look, I remember making phone calls and calling 411 and actually getting a human being on the phone. And one time there was a girl in our youth group and uh, I, I, her name was Cindy. I called. I said, I needed a phone number for such and such. She, I said, is this Cindy? She said, yeah, is this you, Pastor Jeff? Yeah. It's like, wow. You know, and, and, it, can, can you, and now when we call places, you don't get a human being. Even when you ask for a human being. What, what, we're not talking. So things have changed in my little life. I'm over 28, and all this has changed so fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to talk to you really about what you, the sure foundation, the firm foundation. And I, 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 my, my goal is to just remind you that the best part of Christianity is Jesus Christ. The essence of church is Jesus. The best part of your and my and our personal lives, our work life, our relational lives, our parenting, our singleness, whatever station in life you're in, Jesus, Jesus, a billion times Jesus. This is a people, person-based movement Jesus has come as the firstborn of many brethren. And I'm a big advocate for the head of the church and for the body of Christ. And it, we are built on a firm foundation. And another verse, Peter said, we are like living stones. I lived in England, and I love the old walls, the walls that were built. And the stone, uh, they had stone walls all over from the Roman period. And then I love Jerusalem, that's a walled city, and I love the stones. I love buildings. I drive through St. Louis, and I see places where they use sandstone, and they use stone. I love stone. I wish we could wrap our whole church in stone. But the fact is, we're on a solid rock anyway. And so, in in effect, your life is wrapped in stone, solid. He's the rock of ages. Jesus said, look, I'll tell you the difference between a foolish person and a wise person. The wise person builds their life on a solid footing. So when the rains come and the winds blow, and I mean, I just talked to a guy, he's in here from Omaha. Uh, Our lighting guy, Heath, was texting me, asking me to pray. He had $80,000 worth of lighting up on a a, a 10-story building 
in four boxes, and 97-mile-per-hour wind hit the top of that building. And God delivered him. I said, you know, he, he covered it. And, and, and I'm just thinking about the winds do blow. The waves do crash. The rains do come. Uh, in the world, you'll have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. Take courage. I have overcome the world. So when the cousins are talking, I mean, Ryan is in law enforcement, has been for over 20 plus years, born in Jamaica, married a girl from the hood. They love each other, have two amazing kids. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he, while they're trying to defund the police, he's providing police presence. And he's, well, you know, we're believing God that God's going to bring healing to our society, right? And then people that are depressed financially, and we know how it feels because we went through not just a little time where we were very meager. It taught us to pray. It taught us to believe God. And it showed us how, how imperative it is for believers to be generous. And, to be, and God loves a cheerful giver. And that the best part of this whole thing is Jesus. Yeah. Woo! So, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is talking to a group that has just gotten saved, and he, he's trying to get them rallying around their new life, but they're kind of carnal, they're fleshly, they're, they're kind of all caught up. Some of them are really into, uh, later on he talks about how titillating their meetings are, and they're kind of going way out, and, and it's making alienating visitors. And then he's, in this case, he's talking about people that are so... Uh, 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 in division, uh, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and kind of division, and he calls it all fleshly. And he says, brethren, he said in verse 1, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. Uh, I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not able yet to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for you are still fleshly. Carnal, you're immature. I have to call you babes instead of you've not you've gotten stuck in adolescence in, in pre-adolescence. You've gotten stuck in toddler a whiny uh, a selfishness. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? I have a friend who was enjoyed a lot of good health, but then all of a sudden her liver started to fail. She miraculously, in perfect timing, got to, I visited her in the hospital. She was dilute, her salt level went down, and she was, her, her thought processes were all skewed. She had a really rough time. Husband was just strong in faith. The kids were rallying. The church was praying for her. And uh, right before COVID, right at the beginning of COVID, she got a, a liver transplant, which saved her life. And just the miraculousness of that and her, of the timing, they stopped giving, they, they stopped uh, right after that doing transplants. I mean, it was like just a miraculous window. And a guy prophesied to her about, and she doesn't think that her liver fell apart just because of this, but she, he said there, there's, there's, there was witchcraft in your direction. And she was like, What? You know, and, and it's like, and then she, he named, this was a prophetic person from uh, South America. He named a person that was a friend of hers that was constantly jealous, envious, and full of pride around her. And he said, I don't define uh, witchcraft like witches in a witch coven. I mean, that's part of it. But I'll tell you, he said, the, it's, it's, it's envy, jealousy, and pride. Yeah. Pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Where there's jealousy and envy, there's confusion in every evil work, it opens the door to the devil. And so this guy implied that they were like, 
what? The husband and wife had to process it. When they told me, I was like, wow. But then I thought about the scripture that says where that, that rebellion, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And I've seen it as a Christian leader. I've seen it try to rear up in my own life. So I know that the, the, the uh, tendencies of the flesh, and I know the temptation of the enemy. And so God is admonishing us. He's saying, look, to the Corinthians, he's saying, you want to get on your foundation. You're on a good foundation, but I, you're getting stuck with envy and jealousy. And then he even elaborates on it further. He says, get, get out of this. I, I, you got to grow up past this. He said, uh, for, for you're still fleshly, for since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? God wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. God wants us to get in churches like this, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education levels, different, uh, both genders, all ages, uh, different experiences of life from different nations. I've always, my wife and I have always aspired for our church to be a full broad spectrum representation of the place where God's planted us and uh, with diversity. I've always been, Jesus is the author of unity and he's also, he provides compelling uh, 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 indications that he likes diversity. He's made over 7,700 ferns. Did you know that? I mean, one fern is cool enough. But so many, so much variety. They went into the Congo and they found another primate a few years ago. They go into the ocean every time, just about they go into deep sea exploration, they find new species of, of, of wildlife. And I'll tell you, in the church, Paul is saying to these guys, look, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But Corinthians, would you please grow up? And he's saying in 2021, as we move to 2022, guys, I've got a big plan for the church, for the local church, for the church in general, for revival. I got a big plan for the harvest, for lost people to come to Jesus. You saw the Jesus movement. You saw the Pentecostal outpouring of the Azusa Street. You saw the Great Awakening in the, in the colonial days. You saw what happened through uh, uh, Moody or through Finney or through these, uh, Whitfield. And you see the historics. You see what God can do. I'm about to do it again. It's not just going to be routine. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. I'm going to manifest myself. Prophetically, the Lord spoke to me a few Sunday nights ago at the prayer meeting. I was up here pacing, and the Lord marked 2022, and, and this was interesting verbiage. I had to look three of the words up in the dictionary. A magnetic juncture of divine happenings. A magnetic juncture of divine happenings. So magnetism is, of course, attraction. It's a power. And in France, they're building in Marseille, a, and they have been for years, five years or so, they figured out the science. They can build a, a magnet, the largest in the history of the world, and it can create um, not nuclear fission, but fusion. Fission is where you split a heavy atom. Uh, uh, nuclear uh, fission is where you unite. And, and it's, it's safer, it's greener, it's, it's, not, it's less deadly, it's not like Chernobyl. And um, I thought, well, that's interesting. 
and, and they, they know this is going to work, that you heat up this plasma, this little quantity of plasma to 150 million Celsius or something like, and it, it, I, I can't wrap my head around the science of it, but I love the idea of magnetism. And they said this magnet, basically, uh, uh, an air, a regular aircraft carrier weighs 250 million pounds, and this magnet can pick that thing up off the ground six feet. And uh, you, that may not mean anything to you. It means something to those research scientists that are trying to figure out how we can shift from uh, fossil fuel to something safer for the, for the future, it should Jesus tarry. So, uh, but with the kingdom, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're Peter, and upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. But Paul gets in there and he goes, y'all, don't be in strife. Don't compete. Don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Quit being big, fat babies and grow up. Get serious about the call because I'm wanting to rain righteousness on you. And, you know, I, at my son-in-law Steve looked up the word magnet and he said, when atoms align, a magnetic current will flow. Now, that, that'll preach. How I feel about that as a pastor is similar to what I felt for the last decades in my marriage. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And we noticed we cannot afford as a couple the luxury of strife. And we got in it a lot when we first got married. We were strong-willed. We were immature. We, Paul Blart, the... the uh, the, the mall cop said no one wins in a headbutt. We could have told you that decades ago. Absolutely. We'd come up with, what's that knot on your melon? Never mind. <laughs> but we butted heads, but we learned. Yeah. We, love the, we love the idea of being effective yeah. more than the luxury of strife. We love the idea of, a, of facilitating the, the flow of the spirit. Yeah. And where there's jealousy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. So we had to learn as a couple... Uh, hey, let's be quick to repent. Let's be quick to forgive. Let's, let's, let's work things out in order to maintain a flow of the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, this is where the wisdom is. This is where the victory is. This is where the gifts of the Spirit operate. This is where the magnificence of God's power flows. This is why, since I was a kid, I've had a burden for, for the for the communities I'm not part of, the inner city, the rural. I'm not a rural guy. I'm not an inner city guy. I'm a sort of city suburban guy. But then on the other hand, I'm a kingdom guy. And I see segregation and I see strife and I see all this welling up again and again and again. And I think the only hope, the only hope, the great unifier is the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, which we're about to celebrate and honor and communion at the end of this service. But right now, I feel so compelled. Psalm 133.1, he says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. I've seen this, where God starts to bring, he, before the manifestations that we've been praying for, he has to do this undergirding, strengthening of the foundational things. 
Now, I'm friends with the people at uh, the, the daughter of the pioneer of Spirit Airport, Alexis, is right over here. Her sweet dad, Paul, uh, he was a great ministry, but he, he, in business, he started Spirit Airport back in the late 60s, right? He also led uh, Siegfried Reinhardt, the artist, to the Lord. He led uh, Richard Rabco, came to the Lord. He was a real soul winner, and he started Spirit Airport. How about we have a flight path right over our church to Spirit Airport? I love it, all right? I mean, it's neither here nor there, but yet it's cool. So I love it. And, 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 and what I was told was, yeah, they're going to be lengthening the runway, and they're going to be strengthening the, the concrete. And I talked to pilots about this. And I, I, they, the, in order to accommodate larger load and bigger aircraft, you got to strengthen with rebar and more concrete the depth of the foundation of the runway, and you got to make it longer because it takes longer for them to take off and, and to stop. So big things necessitate strong foundation. And the Holy Spirit made a big, lavish step to give the rock of our salvation, Jesus, to the world. Father, God the Father sent his son, Jesus, as the chief cornerstone. He's rejected in the sight of men. Who do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're this, some say you're that. Some guy writes a book, at the end of faith in 40 years, let's just get faith out of here so we can be this humanistic group. It's like humanism is not going to save people from their sins. Denial about sin doesn't negate it. The only thing that deals with sin is the shed blood of someone who's sacrificed because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. He who never sinned became a sin substitute for us so that we might be made right with God. Remember the Jeff Perry, 1972, praying and asking if God was real? I needed to know singularly that a rescuer came who paid the price for my sin like a legal system, like I was in the court of heaven and I was guilty and I was going to be banished for eternity and go to hell forever because of sin. But Jesus stepped in in the fullness of the times and died for the ungodly and mercifully is extending this mercy of grace and forgiveness. Right now, two years into COVID, all the crazy land going on, society being agitated and vexed again, uh, division, strife, evil being called good, good being called evil, the, the degradation of the values and morals of what God has laid out in his word, yet here we are. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. Have you ever wondered how Jesus' prayer for unity would be answered in John 17? He said that they would be one even as we are one. Dick Mills writes, have you ever questioned how this unification could ever be realized? He said, what is going uh, to take, it's going to take to see unity. What's it, what, how are we going to see a fragmented uh, monuments of division? I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollo, so I'm of Cephas, you know, all this kind of polarization. Uh, uh, even this heavy emphasis now on ethnicity, like uh, uh, it, it, the devil keeps, he's the one that drives in the wedge. Jesus is the one who drives the conclusion that everybody's been created by God. All their families on heaven and earth derive their name from him. And that from Adam and Eve descend all of us. We're all related. Deal with it. There's only one race, the human race. The good news is it's going to happen. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we speed the day of its fulfillment. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a request that is sure to be granted. Jesus never prayed a prayer 
that was not answered. He prayed that we would be one in John chapter 17. I've seen people come to our meeting, pray with us, get over here, join us. I've seen that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And every time I've tried to submit to it, thinking it might work, it didn't work. But I know Jesus will cause a terrific healing. A political group can't bring this healing. A, a certain party can't bring this healing. A certain bias can't bring this healing. The only healer is Jesus, and the only hope for humanity is trusting him. And then people lining up with him. Some people feel the only way we'll have uh, unity is through global persecution. Uh, they, they, they say, just put the saints before a firing squad, and they'll settle their differences in a hurry. Dick Mills says, some even point out how persecution in communist countries is bringing the saints together. He says, I feel God would get more glory from a unity based on internal love than one based on external coercion, right? We seem to be saying, Lord, you really can't unify us with the message of love and forgiveness. Uh, you'll have to do it with the threat of extermination. He said, I don't really, he says, I don't really believe God's grace, mercy, and love are exalted by a unity which comes only through martyrdom. You're thinking about this. He thought about this. He prophesied to me in 1994 about our church, and it's coming to pass 27 or however many years later, exactly like he prophesied it. He lived to be in his, he lived to be in his 90s, and he was accurate all the way to the end. He said, one translation of this verse reads, uh, what a wonderful thing. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. What a wonderful thing it is when brothers live together in harmony. Remember, the closer we get to the Lord, the closer we get to each other. The closer we get to the Lord, the closer we get to each other. If I read my Bible and pray every day, I will grow, grow, grow. And if I ignore my Bible and don't pray every day, I will shrink, 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 grow, grow, grow. If I, help me, if I read my Bible and pray every day, I will grow, grow, grow. Look at somebody next to you and say, you look 10 years more mature than you did before. But you look 20 years younger. Numbers 23, 19, it says, has he not said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Unity is coming. Har har revival is coming. Harvest is coming. But we like the Corinthian church are like this. We've got to understand our footing. The Bible is the word of God and we can trust it. The church is God's idea, and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. I've got to do everything in my power to walk in love in it and be merciful and, 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 and so toward it in, in my prayer, my substance, my, my, my showing up, and believe in God. Listen to what it says as I finish. He says, some say I'm of Paul, some say I'm of Apollos. Are you just not just acting like mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? There's servants through whom you believed, as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. He said, I planted, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. 
How many of you just agree right now, God is God and he always will be God? And that Jesus is the rock of our, of our salvation. He's the chief cornerstone. Rejected by men, but precious to us. The cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So he said, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Look at verse 11, and we'll finish here. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Chief cornerstone. Central component of our relationship with God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then it goes on and it says, you can build with gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble. Take your pick. You can build with absorbent materials that are faulty and fragile and won't last, or you can build with reflective and precious materials that reflect and bring honor and glory to God. I want to build on this foundation from this moment forward, with gold, silver, precious stone, I don't want to waste one millisecond with wood, hand stubble. I don't want to be immature. I want to grow up in all aspects in him. And God is working on me, and he's been so merciful to me. And aren't you glad that you are his workmanship and that he's at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure? How many of you are glad God's been patient with you? You're one of his favorite students. You have... He, like on the top of your report card, so much potential. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So here we are. What's going to happen next, Lord? A, a magnetic juncture of divine happenings? What does that mean? I even asked myself, I said, God, it, I need to double check this because this is sort of esoteric sounding. I love magnetism. It means attract. You know, he said, if I be lifted up in the earth, I'll draw them into me. He's talking about the cross and that drawing of, uh, uh, it's, it's, there's a magnetic current to the true and living Jesus when he's presented. Like, like Wally Hickey from Happy Church, Marilyn Hickey's husband, since passed. He said in Denver, Colorado, he said, if Jesus was presented like he really is, the world would find him irresistible. I'm the product of that. Two wide-awake Christians, the Vietnam veteran, Jill, my grandmother was praying for me in Texas. My life got totally changed. And I'm out of time. I love you, LaDonna. My kids wish they could be like LaDonna and play me out like that. LaDonna does it with a smile, so I just feel like, all right, she's gently <laughs> helping, helping me. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah. Reach over and kick somebody and say, come on. Let's all stand up. Everybody say, the true foundation of my life is Jesus. Now, if you're searching and you don't mean it, don't say it. But if you're seeking, you will find. 
But if you're, a, if you're committing now, let's commit. Let's commit to really taking a fresh stand on the solid rock. His broken body, his shed blood means by his stripes we're healed and that what can wash away our sins? Only the blood of Jesus. Who in here is grateful for forgiveness? Hallelujah. And I, I'm telling you, when my wife forgives me, when I've forgiven her, mainly she forgives me, um, it feels good. It's like, I forgive you. I'm not bearing a grudge. Let's get me anointed. Everybody say, let's get in the anointing. Now, I apologize if you don't understand that that's church speak, but what it really means is, is the atoms lining up so the magnet, magnetic flow can occur, right? Or so that we're not disrupting the tangible blessing of God that he wants to display through us. A magnetic juncture of divine happenings. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, healing belongs to us. I receive Jesus as my healer. And I say, my body's healed. Fatigue is replaced by energy. Blockages are opened up. Uh, cartilage builds where it needs to. Hearts stay healthy. Heart walls get supple if they need to. Pumps work right and don't leak. Uh, digestion works properly. I pray the healing touch of God on prostate, on ovarian, on all tissue, male, female, young, old. I bind the devil. I loose the healing power of God to flow through this house. And anybody dealing with mental maladies, you are the wonderful counselor. And I pray you're near the brokenhearted. So I pray you alleviate depression, still anxiety, quench any confusion, and bring people into stability in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Jesus is my Lord and Savior and my healer. Amen. Hallelujah.